unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Hello, it is Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, your place where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. What's going on, boys and girls? Thank you guys for being here, whether you're live or on the replay. We always appreciate you guys being here every single week here on the Raw and Scripted Show. We are on show number 181. Can you believe it? 181. We're on show number 181. I still remember to this day when I started the show, it was, I was on a, I was a guest on a podcast network that I'm not no longer a part of. And the guy that hosted the podcast network and said that he knew about this podcast network, he was like, I need you to be a host on this. I'm like, no, I don't do podcasting. I was like, I was, I did live radio shows and did all the other stuff. And he was like, no, you need to be a podcast host. I'm like, eh, I'm not sure about that. And then I started and I actually was on his network for a while. And then boom, here I am. The Ron and Scripted Show by myself. Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? Appreciate you guys all being here. What's up? Tara Marnie is in the house. Tara, thank you so much for being here, darling. I appreciate you so much. You have no idea. We're having a bit of a week, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a bit tired right now. Uh, admittedly, I will be very, very honest with you. I have had shit for sleep in the last eight days. I won't go into the reasons right because right now because, um, yeah, it's been a time. So every time we go through times, we get stronger and we know that what doesn't kill us only makes us stronger. The tattoo right on my forehead, my forehead, the forearm um, that I was telling you guys about before. So if you guys listen on the podcast, it says, what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger on my forearm. And it's been a week. So we're excited to be here with you tonight because tonight we have an amazing guest who has an incredible story. And I want you guys to pay attention, take notes, and really think about your own perspective in this story because we've all been on this hero's journey, right? You think about this Joseph Campbell story, YouTube, go watch it. It's like an hour and 23 minutes. It's pretty incredible. The fact that we go through this hero's journey because we go through these, all these trials and tribulations. And then what's on the other side? We go back and tell everybody, hey, listen, I've been through this shit. I can help you go through this shit. That's who I am. That's what I'm about. I'm going through some stuff right now and it's not entertaining. It's not fun. And I'll be disclosing that to you pretty soon because I don't want to take away from what we're going to be talking about our guest tonight. But um, Tara's in the house. What's up, Tara? My beautiful sister from another mister. She got to meet Walt McKinley. You guys know he's a fan of the show and he's going to be on the show pretty soon here in I think a couple of weeks. So thank you, Tara. Walt McKinley just got an opportunity to go up to Canada and New York and speak. And he was live on stage. So a bunch of my friends up there in Canada and New York got to go visit him and see him. And I'm jealous, but you guys are all rock stars and we appreciate you guys. And the one thing I want to talk about right now is Help Heal Humanity. As you guys know, I'm on the board of directors for Help Heal Humanity. And it's been pretty incredible. The journey that I've been on with this organization, Serena Buffalino, has been an instrumental part in my life, like redirecting the fact that, you know, all of us have an opportunity to play in the world and what we can do to make the world a better place. And Help Heal Humanity is an organization that she, char she charged and she started with the fact that, you know, it's pretty incredible what we can do to make a difference in people's lives. And what she did is she went to Haiti the country of Haiti. And she built a school in the roughest part of the, the area. And not only that, but she's sending kids to school. And not only that, she's feeding them. 
And so she invited me to become a, a board member on the USA board. And it was pretty incredible because the fact that, you know, when I said I could be a part of what it is that you're doing and the part of the impact that you're having and the fact that nobody takes a paycheck, you know, you think about all the different things and the different experiences that we donate to. We wonder, like, does it go to the person that has 18 bathrooms and 17 cars? Or does it go to the organization that actually helps people? And the Help Heal Humanity organization actually goes to help people actually do things. So we are not only sending kids to school, but we are actually feeding them in the process. And if you watch the headlines anytime recently, you know that Haiti is going through an unprecedented time of destruction, implosion, and everything else. But still, we are sending kids to school. We are feeding kids to go to school in Haiti in one of the roughest parts. And I get people asking me all the time, like, Chris, well, there's stuff in here in the United States. I'm like, yeah, here in the United States, we have opportunities. We have resources. We have things that we could do to actually make things different. In Haiti, they have nothing. So ladies and gentlemen, if you get value, when you get value out of the show, I ask you to go to helpyouhumanity.org and do something to make a difference whether it's $5, $25, whether you want to volunteer and do a fundraising event, whether you want to be a part of the board of directors, whatever it might be, go do this. Because I can assure you, when you go and serve and you do things for other people, it's incredible what it is that you get on the other side. It's true. It's true. I can tell you that. We got Robert Brooker in the house. He says, good evening, Christopher. He says, I could have showed up, but that would be in a vehicle uninsured and with an expired driver's license. Okay. You got it, brother. You got it. So thank you guys all for being here, whether you're live or on the replay. We appreciate you guys. And most of all, from this conversation tonight, please take notes. Please take notes. Please write down things because this is the reason why I do this. I do not do this for advertisers. There's no advertisers. I don't do this to get paid. I do this because I want to interview people every single week or share my own experience that you can apply in your life so that you change what it is that's going on in your life to make it better. Because when you make your life better, you make other people's lives better. And when other people make their lives better, the other people make their lives better and it feeds out. Right now in the world, you don't have to, I mean, if you watch the news, you can do, you have no shortage of things to find out that shit is bad. You can sit there and think Russia is going to nuke the United States and we're going to be dead in 20 minutes. Well, guess what? If we are, then so be it. So leave your 20 minutes right now with the best intentions, with the best intentions. That's what we're going to do. And that's what we're doing every single day, every single part of the week that we're doing the Ron and Scripted Show is we are living our best life. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how tragic, no matter how troublesome it is, we continue to be unstoppable. Are you unstoppable? Or are you sitting there going, man, shit sucks. Guys, shit's always going to suck. It's a matter of what it is that we decide to do in those moments when it sucks that really determines what it is that's going to happen down the road. Like right now, things could be bad, but as long as you have the mindset and you have the belief that you're actually going to move through this and you're going to get on the other side of that hero's journey, you're going to be like, man, dude, I don't want to go through that again, but I'm glad that I went through that because now I can be the person that I am, that I'm supposed to be. That's what life's about. That's what I'm about. And that's what I appreciate you guys all being here for you and supporting the Ron and Scripted show. I appreciate you guys every so much. And um, yeah, we're going to have a great show. <laughs> I'm not feeling my best. So I'm just going to be upfront and honest with you. We're going to get through this and we're going to have a good time. So tonight, my guest is an amazing person. We have developed a friendship over 
social media. Imagine that. Um, we've developed a appreciation for one's experiences that we've all been through. And so tonight, his experiences are going to be shadowed and told in this particular interview. And what I want you guys to get from this is the fact that we can all take the tough things and the challenging things from our life and we can implement them in our life and sit there and say, you know what? I don't have to go through all of it because I think we all have to go through our own hero's journey, but we can also choose to say, you know what? I'm going to take a couple of hints of what that guy did and I'm not going to go through that and I'm going to sit there and implement it in my life right now. And that's what I want you guys to do. So whatever note-taking app you take, whether it's handwritten notes or whether it's on a phone or whatever else, just go do that because tonight's conversation is going to be amazing. I appreciate you guys all for being here. And with that, we're going to introduce my guest, Mr. Frank Sunius. Frank, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the Wellness Group Show, man. I appreciate you for being here. And you are coming at this show at four o'clock in the morning from the Netherlands. Is that correct? That's, that's correct. But we are finished because you spoke and you told my words. So I can go back to bed and you can go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you cannot go to bed. No, you cannot, brother. You cannot. I appreciate you so much for getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy deserves a round of applause. Four o'clock in the morning in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam. What's going on, Frank? It's such a good opportunity to meet you. We have had so many conversations on social media over the last couple of years, I think. I don't go back and track that. You oh, and I have been connected. What brings you to the Raw and Scripted show today? Well, uh, I met you. I followed you, I saw you on social media, and I thought, <laughs> he's speaking my language, just like you said. And when you speak, uh, when you find people like that, well, <laughs> what's stopping us? You know, then you have to connect and really connect. And one day we will really connect. And here we are. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. It's October 18th. I have to remember that. Um, 19 for me. I'm in the future. So you're uh, in the future. Oh my God. You're like back to the future. You're like, yeah. So thank you for joining me so early in the morning. We no, got, uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I'm, we got oh. Jock in the house. He says, what up peeps? Look at him like talking to gangster right there. Um, so thank you for being here, brother. So I know you have been to hell and back. I have read your story. I have researched you a little bit. So I want to talk to about the fact that what have you learned about the first question I have for you tonight is what have you learned about yourself in the last couple of years? Cause the pandemic has been hell all across the globe. What have you learned about yourself in the last couple of years? Well, Christopher was a really good question from the start. Um, two years ago uh, when I went on clubhouse, uh, I thought I was ready. I was fired up. You know, I did the training with Andy Arrington, uh, Les Brown, uh, Nick Vujicic, and I thought, you know, I'm there, you know, I've got the book. I've got the, I know what I'm going to talk about. You know, I knew it all. Guess what? <laughs> I knew <Yeah>. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, knew, I knew nothing because two years clubhouse. Um, of course, I have my puzzle pieces. The puzzle pieces are in the book. But to explain the puzzle pieces, <laughs> I had to go to clubhouse. And get clubhouse, yeah, that's where we met, right? Yeah, that's where we yeah. met, and, and there I heard so many people telling my story in a different way, so I can explain my puzzle pieces coming together in an easier way. So I'm so grateful for the amazing people, and you're one of them who I met on Clubhouse. Why I can explain my book five times, ten times better than if I was going into the world and speak on events because. 
oh my god i would have made so many mistakes and now i will stay still make mistakes but a little bit less so, <laughs> <Don't we all? laughs> yeah. i mean right and there are, are there, are there, actually, this is a question for you. Do they, are they really mistakes or are they learning opportunities? Because when you think no, about your life and I know your life, I want to talk about this for a second. Do you believe that mistakes are really learning lessons or do you think they're really mistakes? No, they're really learning lessons because you didn't know. Otherwise you didn't make that mistake. So you have to go through it. So that's right. all. Yeah. So I want to, I want to, I want to dig into your story because your story is amazing and the things that you've done in your life are amazing. So talk to us about a low point in your life where you were at your lowest, but you learned the most. Talk about that. Oh, there are many, as you say, but who's counting, you know, so many people have, have similar things. Well, Lord so, knows, I, I know I have a, a few. Yeah. And, and I hope uh, other people don't have so much, but you know, I don't know. I, I'm not uh, other people, but my lowest point was I'm going straight into it. When uh, when you wake up, you're strapped to a table uh, in a suicide cell, uh, and somebody is telling you that you're going for life in prison. I think that's reasonable. Uh, life moment. in prison. Life in prison. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to gloss over that part because you kind of went life in prison. So I just want to make sure we heard that. So you're strapped to a suicide table, life in prison. Go on, sorry. And and, and then you, you think, uh, you don't think anymore. There is nothing to think anymore because, you know, you, you think, ah, wait a minute. My book is called Trapped in a Dream. So I thought, <laughs> please wake up. It's time to wake up. You know, you have to wake up now. But then you finally find out that it's all real. That's all that. That is so strange, and, 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 and I think how much I'm going to talk about this. But two years before that, I spoke with a guy in a methadone program. I did a methadone program in Amsterdam. I'm studying drug users, and I'm asking, how come? Why do we use ten years already methadone? Why? And this guy, he was—he tried to do still a good job, how he looks like, but he looked like shit. And I thought, what's happening with this guy? And I thought always drug users, when I see them in Amsterdam, and we've got them a lot because we are a free country. Sure. So there are, there are a lot of people here using, yeah, illegally drugs. And this guy tells me in five minutes time that he once was the second highest man in the financial world in Holland, making wow. a million a year, sitting in his wow. tent, in Spain, seeing his beautiful wife and four children walk away and asking me, Daddy, you want an ice cream? And he says, yeah, give me two balls. And then the gasoline car comes into the corner and explodes. No way. And 286 people died in 90 seconds in the camping. And in his front, front of his eyes, Four beautiful children and wife. There was nothing anymore. And when somebody tells you this in five minutes, I was in shock because, you know, I was in my winning season. I was doing well in the basketball. And, you know, I was looking at the drug users like, ah, no backbone <laughs> user, you know, loser. You, you had an arrogance about it, right? Of course I had. You had an arrogance. You were going to go in and fix these people, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then but you got then, trapped within it? Oh, my God. I thought, oh, my God, what can I do for this guy, you know? Because who can handle this? Who can handle this? How do you get that view out of your head? One day. How? How? It's not possible. It is not possible. He did everything. And then he tells story in one hour, he tells me what he all did to not go crazy. But he didn't. He didn't make it. And guess what? Two years later, I wake up. <laughs> Strutting with Susan, looking at a life in prison. So what can happen in two years? But why were you looking at life in prison? Because as I remember what I researched, it wasn't that big of that wasn't that big of a thing. So why were you looking at yeah, life in prison? But it, it was uh, to scare me, probably. Okay. Um, in the end, I only get 13 years, but that's still a long time. But uh, they didn't give me life. But uh, the, the charge was life in prison because <laughs> Australia is not uh, keen on drugs. So no. you know uh, they are really harsh, and and uh, I think that's also stupid. But, you know, uh, that, that's a different story, I think. Yeah. So what did you learn from that experience? I mean, you went through the lowest of lows. You're in this, you're, I mean, you're drugged, you're underneath these medications and everything else that's going on. What did you learn from that experience that helped you propel to be able to write this book now? Well, the, the, the biggest lesson I learned is be you. Yeah. And try to be you in any situation. And I always wanted to start my events with, I was put innocent in jail. Maybe I was, but I was not innocent. Right. I was guilty like hell. I was guilty of not taking charge of my own life. And then things like this can happen because if you don't take charge and you live with a mask, well, you make mistakes. You start making True. mistakes. And, and, and be you in every situation. I know we can't, we can't. We, sometimes we have to hide because people cannot handle the truth. I always say, people always want to know the truth. Well, a lot of people can't. <laughs> they the say truth. they want, it's like the old <laughs> adage, you want the, you don't know the truth. You don't want, you want the truth. The, you, don't want the, you don't want the truth, yeah. They can't handle. So I, I'm not always uh, so honest as I'm here with you because okay. some people I will never tell because they cannot handle it and they will. Go berserk. So, you know, leave them in their fantasy world and hope one day uh, they want to come out. And, and when, they, when they when they want to come out, uh, they need a coach like you or me. And, nice. And, and we show them. <laughs> and we show them the way. <laughs> so let, let me just let me just dovetail on that since this is raw and unscripted. What ha, what have you not shared ever in an interview about your journey? Because your journey is amazing. I mean, imagine being in a psychiatric hospital. You're you're strapped to a table, a suicide table. You've been through all these different things. You went in with the naivete to say, listen, I can help these people on methadone. I can help these drug addicts. What for you was the biggest learning lesson? Oh, the, the, uh, the biggest learning lesson is ask the people, how can I help you? Yeah. Don't force your help on them because they're not ready. They don't want to be changed because a drug user wants the next shot. He only wants to know the, the way to the next shot. And he's, it's, it's really strange when I say things like this. They have to go a little bit lower. They have to go a little bit lower and then they will scream at the world, what's next? You know, I want to get out of this. Right. 
And then they're ready. And then I ask the question, what can I do for you? And then they will listen. Because they have to listen. And when you're a drug user and you're really on drugs, you don't listen. You want, right. you want only one thing. <laughs> That's how to come to the next day. <laughs> how to survive the next day. It's true. And, so and what? I so thought, what? why not listen to me? You know, I want to help you now. I show you a better life. Come on, listen. Oh my God, I make myself fucked. <laughs> so how did you get wrapped in? How did you get wrapped up into that, thinking that you were going to go in there and save these people? And then how did you get out of it? Because I mean, you were literally strapped to a table. Nah. They put you on a bunch of drugs that you did not want to be on. How did you get out of that cyclone of insanity? Well, uh, in Holland, I was already put on medication. I was taken off the program. Uh, they said, Frank, uh, go on sick leave. Here's money. But then there was something in like me. Oh, my God, I can hear my father saying, oh, you say you're so useless. You see, you cannot even do this. So I went back. I thought, oh, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do this. You know, they have to listen. Listen. Right. That's, that's, that I, I. It, it, they call it dissociation. And there's a lot of, in the psychiatry world, there's a lot. Uh, in my trial, uh, in my trial, there were three psychiatrists. And, we... and, one, of, and one of the psychiatrists said, uh, yeah, I treated Mrs. Sunis. I didn't see uh, dissociation, but he had a major depressive illness. And that probably, uh, um, that's probably the cause of his dissociation. And then the others, they were all fighting you know, one was paid by the by the prosecution, one was paid by the defense. So they all had a, a different uh, opinion. And the jury was thinking, what the fuck, what's going on, dissociation? You know, right. oh my God, oh my God. But in the books, yeah, in the books, when you're major depressed, you probably go into dissociation. And then somebody comes, no, 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 no. I, I, I don't go with my colleagues. Uh, I think you're not going into dissociation. But in the books, it said it's 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 commonly known that you go into dissociation. So the jury, after two weeks hearing all those shit, and I two weeks? also two weeks trial. Wow. And and yeah, two weeks trial, and then and then the jury came out, and the jury came out, and they said, oh no, we <laughs> we're not going to put this guy for life in prison. You know what did he do? What did he do? Come on. Come on. Life in prison. What did you do? I mean, from what I understood. Yeah, I was, the, uh, what I was, looked at. I was, I was so stupid. Uh, my suitcase came out of the, didn't came out of the plane. I waited for my suitcase a long time, but it didn't come. Everybody had a suitcase and I walked to the customs and I said, where's my suitcase? Right. And then the belt start running again. And there was a broken suitcase, clothes out, on the belts, everything else. And somebody said, Frank, don't touch this. This is, this is not good. You know, call the guy from customs. You know, and to make a long story short, they found six kilos of ecstasy. And, and they asked me, you know, uh, Frank, they are there. And the funny part is, uh, Christopher, till now, 26 years later, I never saw one tablet. Wow. I never saw one tablet. So was it planted? Uh, yeah, I know now. I, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm not allowed to go over that sure, because okay. it's all it all came out. It all came out in the end. So I didn't do the eleven years. I did four years and three months, and and then wow. everything was sorted out. But but still, you know, you go to the customs, give your broken suitcase, and and there 
Oh my God, there is there is so much about customs, corrupt police. I can write a different book because <laughs> the, the, everything is in the book. Yeah, but it's not the whole truth because I'm not allowed to tell the whole truth, and that's that's the, the sad part. You're not allowed to tell the whole truth, otherwise, True. so many people get in trouble. So you know, uh, it, it costed me two years to edit this book because it had to go to so many uh, legal things and so many people were not happy with the things that they <laughs> <in> the <book>. and <laughs> so let me ask you let me ask you this frank what inspired you to write the book knowing that you were going to have to go through the, all these hurdles oh uh, that's 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 one of the questions i love the most when i came back from my ideal when i was let out and it was also in in an instantly because the the sydney olympics were starting on the 9th of august 2000 and wow. they, they had to close the, the air space. And I, there was a call on the intercom. And I said, Mr. Sidious, pack your stuff. You're moving. So you're standing with your little box with everything in it. And you stand at the door. The door opens. And you think, oh, what's next? You know, what's the next cell? Or what's the next prison? You know, they ship you around and throw you around. And you go everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy, crazy world. And uh, you see murders and you see people get killed for nothing, for a cigarette or, you know, it's a crazy world, but that's also for another story. There was a big blonde woman, beautiful woman standing in front of mine. And she said, oh, Frank, I'm going to miss you. And I said, oh, what's jail I'm going next? <laughs> well, you're not going to jail anymore. You're going home. I said, ha, 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 ha. Funny, funny story. <laughs> she said, give me a hug. I said, what do you mean, give me up? She said, sign this paper and get the hell out of here. Wow. And I was in shock, you know. Still, when I tell this, I get shivers everywhere. And and and, and I walked, I had to go to, in two hours to the airport. Otherwise, the plane was gone and I had to stay because the Olympics were starting at, uh, at Sydney. So they brought me really quickly to the to the to the airport. And I'm going to tell this story, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I came in, in inside the, the plane, and uh, it was quiet. Everybody was quiet, so probably they told something. Your uh, first time out for how many years? Four years and three months. Four years, three months. Yeah. You're now exited That's from jail. Course. You're given a free pass. You're on a plane now. Okay, yeah. go ahead. And then... The stewards probably told, we are waiting for one more guest. And probably they told something different because I still had a shirt with 266926. Are you kidding me? They left you with a prison shirt? They let you walk out of prison with a fucking prison shirt? That <coughs> was a shock. But I didn't even notice because it went all so quickly. And they had checked in a suitcase on the, under the name O'Brien. Uh, 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 an Irish guy, they, they, he gave a suitcase, a big brown suitcase. They put all the stuff I still had. And I had no passport because it was disappeared. I had no papers. I had nothing. So they dropped me on that plane. And the thing I still remember, and in my book I say it correctly, maybe I was dreaming already, but there was a steward who gave me a little bottle of Baileys. It's really sweet. It's really high alcohol. And she said, have a drink and uh, sit there and have a good sleep. And, uh, you know, we have to go. We have to go into the air because otherwise it closes and we cannot go up. So, you know, sit there. 
And then a young little girl walks around and says straight up, are you a prisoner? Oh my God. <laughs> like, no, it's a Halloween costume. Yeah. It's August. Yeah. And, and before I could answer, her mother says, yeah, but they had the wrong one. And now they let them out. Wow. And this girl said, oh, they should not have done that. Have a sleep. Have a sleep. All will be all right. And I'm still thinking, was that real or was I already in the, under the influence of that little bottle of alcohol they gave me? Sure. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's the thing I still remember from that rushing to the airport. And, and, you know, you're free, you know, and you still have seven years to go. So you, you look and think, am I dreaming? And that's why Trapped in a Dream is so, so really for my book, you know, Trapped in a Dream. You know, what is a dream? What is a nightmare? If you don't live your dreams, we all know what's going to happen. It's true. You live your nightmares. Regrets. <laughs> and I did. So what prompted you to decide to write your story for everybody else? To oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, when I came out of prison, they give me sick leave. They give me money. Um, they give me a lot of money because I was, I was doing well before I left Australia. So I was entitled to 70% of my, my last paychecks. Wow. So Yeah, that's really great. So the, the money amazing. was good. Yeah, the money was good because I earned, I earned between 10 and 15,000 a month. Uh, Gilders said so that's a lot of money. That's 20,000 uh, a month in, in dollars. So uh, don't worry about that. I was making good money. So then the doctor said, Frank, you're now 38. Now you're, yeah, 38, I think. Yeah. And he said, listen, Go and find something to do, you know, for the rest of your life till your pension. You have, you have enough money to do something, but find yourself, you know, get out of the shit. Try to clear your head, try to get out of all the things you have seen, get it out there. And I thought, okay, so I was walking in a, in a, in a, in a grocery to the, to the shopping center, shopping center. And then I heard my name, Frank, is that you? And I looked around and I was a beautiful girl. And I said, who are you? She said, I'm Susanna. I said, Susanna, please help me, you know, please help me. She said, you trained me at the tennis court. Wow. I was that one girl who could not play tennis. Uh, okay. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> You're trying maybe. to remember back, right? Which, which one, you know, but. Right. You which know one? You, yeah. You know what you did, Frank? You made me your assistant. I was every Wednesday, I was your assistant and I couldn't even hold the record correctly. I was so useless, but you made me an assistant. And that's why I became the person I am today. I'm on a law firm. I get so much confidence of you making me your assistant. And I could not even hold the record. Wow. <laughs> and then she said, listen, you, let's just uh, let's tell everybody before you were a tennis coach before you went this this route route right yeah and i was also a research marketer uh, to 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 make it. i had not enough uh, hours in the tennis world coaching so i started to become a research marketer so i did i did both i was a research marketer and i was a tennis coach and a basketball coach i coached uh, even the national level i coached uh, basketball because i love basketball basketball is my thing so uh... and and but this but this girl uh six three Damn, you're taller than me. 
Yeah, six but six, six three in Holland is, is not that tall. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are big guys here. <laughs> I was not smoke, tall. They, I smoke, was... they smoke, they grow? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm not sure. I, did, yeah, I didn't do that research. I didn't do yeah. that research. That's a good one. Maybe it's connected. Maybe it's connected. Yeah. But the connection I want to make today is the universe always puts you back where you belong. And this True. girl asked me to come to a club, a new club in a new uh, city, because Almere is a new city built in, uh, in, in Holland. It's, it's, it's a land uh, one back from the sea, and they started the whole new city there, and there's all, already 300,000 people living uh, uh, in that city, so it's a big city. Wow. And th they told me, please, Frank, can you, uh, can you come to our new tennis club? And be our trainer because we're looking for a trainer. I said, no, nah, no, nah, leave me alone now. I just, <laughs> I just come out of an ordeal. I Four said, nah, nah. months, no way. Yeah, no, no. But you know, of course, what's going to happen? A week later, I was standing in front of eight beautiful children with their new records, with their new shoes, and they saw me as there you, Roger Federer. There he was. You know, <laughs> they were fired up and thought he's going to make us the best tennis players ever. So, you know, I was straight away back. When I and what year been. was this, just for context? Uh, 2003. Okay. 2003, sorry. 2003. And then I started to work as a tennis, uh, tennis school. I opened it. I had 12 children in the first week. I had 40 in a month later. And in the end, when I stopped, I had 144. And the club has grown uh, to 500 members. And everybody was happy. But of course, that's normal life. Then jealousies start to kick in. Mm -hmm. People don't like you being uh, the, yep. the guy, the, the joyful guy in the club. So they start, bah, 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 and somebody found out that a few About your past. Ago. Yeah. Okay. And then it hits in. And then, but before that, I was already sitting on a Sunday morning, and you're going to love this story, in my beautiful wooden house in in the woods because i had a beautiful small bungalow in the woods and there i found myself again and i had money i was doing what i loved so everything was fine and on a sunday morning i was tired and i watched some tv and there was a program called the hour of power ah. a christianity program of bobby schuler yep i remember that beautiful program and I it was a guy it, i heard about it and there was a guy with no arms and legs on the television. Nick. Yeah, Nick Vujicic. Yeah. And Nick was sitting there and telling his story. And I was coming out of my chair, sitting on the front of the TV. I thought, what the hell? Look at this guy, you know? But then he said something that hit me straight away. He said, oh, hey, my friends who are watching, if you have a story to tell the world, that can change lives. It's your moral obligation. Get off your ass and tell your story. And I thought, no, 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 no. <laughs> not me. No, 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 not, not me. me. Not today. <laughs> not today. Because I had a good life. I was doing tennis lessons. I had, you know, everything was going well. And why should I step over my boundaries again? You know, I was, I was where I belonged to be. You know, I was Safe. born to be a coach. Yeah. yeah. But 24 hours later, of course, I was tossing and turning in bed. And I thought, he's talking about me. He's talking about me. And 
on the back, you can see that Nick Fulcic, it's the blame of Nick Fulcic. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. Considering what your journey that what you've been on and the fact that you went through all that hell and went, went there and went back and then to have Nick Fulcic like write that. That's pretty incredible, dude. I mean, seriously, you are gifted in such a way, but yet your gift has been your journey. And we talk about this here on the show, the hero's journey, right? The Joseph Campbell story. We're going to go through these trials and tribulations, these ups and these downs and these things, these ins and these outs, but ultimately it's going to create the person that we are today. You and I having this conversation right now, Los Angeles, California, Amsterdam, we're having this conversation right now to inspire people to think differently about their past, present, and their future. So my next question for you is, when we think about we're doing our best, so many people are sitting there saying today, I'm doing my best, Chris. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best, Frank. What is our best? Because you've been to hell and back. I've been to hell and back. What is our best? And how do we get people to be inspired to think about doing something just above and beyond what they're doing right now to achieve that, to get out of the framework, get out of the ideology that they're in to become a better person? Well, I always tell people, look at the Lion King. If you see the Lion King story, the Walt Disney Lion King story, Simba, you know, sometimes we have to go to the deep waters to lose the enemies as doubt, fear, insecurity. I'm not good enough. You know, we have to go to that. And God is saying that all the time, you know. If I ask God, why did you let me go to that deep water? Why did I have to go to all this stuff? Well, to be you, to see who you really are. 100%. And when you find the strength, the courage, you know, courage is, is not going with when you have the strength. No, courage is going on when you don't have strength anymore, when when nothing is there anymore. When you don't have the strength anymore, but you're still going, you know. You never know how strong you are, as being strong is the only thing that's left. When nothing is there anymore, I went on and don't ask me, don't give me the flowers because there were so many people in prison, in a psychiatric ward who saw something in me. I didn't see for a long time anymore. Tell that story. Tell that story because I think that's important. In doing my research about you in the last couple of days, I normally don't do research about anybody. I just go raw and scripted, but I did. Oh, it was, it was that beautiful, about, beautiful. about that, how that shifted for you, because you would not be sitting here today had that person had not recognized Oh, yeah, that, that was you. an amazing story. The, the guard was watching me 24-7. Yeah. Uh, Three shifts. So every time there was a new shift, there was a glass room. You're, you're, they still think you're going to do something crazy. So eight hours a day, somebody is watching you. You're laying naked on the ground, on a heated floor, and that's it. You know, you have no control anymore. You got your medication. You speak with nobody anymore. I didn't speak with psychiatrists. I didn't speak. But one day, this guy, oh, I've got a paper here. One day, that guy couldn't stand it anymore. And he says, Frank, what's going on? You know, I, I'm watching you. You don't sleep. You don't eat. You don't talk. What's going on in your head? And he put this little paper under the door and he's not allowed to do that with a small pencil this is a big pencil but with a really really broken small piece of pencil sure. said, please can you write down where are you what are you thinking right now please start wow. writing well <laughs> a lot of things <laughs> are in in the book because i wrote that day 30 pages I didn't stop writing. 
This guy gave those pages to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist started reading it and said to himself, oh my God, I'm on the wrong track. Mm-hmm. Take him off the medication, take him off this, you know, this guy, this guy, and I'm not going to brag about that, but this guy is brilliant. This guy is amazing. He's only confused. On drugs. You're in a suicide <laughs> yeah. chamber and you're on drugs and you're writing this to defend yourself, right? No, not to defend myself, but to, to order, to uh, to get some order in what's going on. To, to, to And I'm saying to everybody, if you go to a rough time, start to write. Because who you are today, Christopher, is the guy who's sitting on the couch when nobody's watching and telling the story about himself. Yeah, that's who you are. It's true. That's that's who you are, and and also your dreams. You're telling all the time yourself, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be at that stage. Look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not that so, moment. It will never happen. Survive. It will never happen if you don't do it. You know, yeah. well, you tell it yourself, but you have to go out and to do it. And so many people, almost 80% of the people will say in the end of their life, I wish I had done what I told myself to do. Mm. 80% no, Probably more than that, dude. I literally have read the book, <coughs> The Five Regrets of the Dying. Have you ever read that book, The Five Regrets of the Dying? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you know, you know, and I couldn't even finish that book because at the end of the day, it was like the number one regret of the dying was the fact that we didn't live the life that we wanted to live. We lived the life that we thought we were supposed to live. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys have heard me quote that book so many times on the show. That's a fact. And so you're in that position. You're in this cell. You're writing this stuff. And now you're here in front of me today. What can we say to people to really inspire them? And given the chaos going around the world, whatever, wherever we're at, Wherever the world is at for us right now, I'm in the United States, you're in the Netherlands, people are in France, Germany, Japan, China, all over the place with this podcast. What can we tell people today to sit there and get them to recognize that they are more powerful than they really truly think that they are? Just Because like that's said. what you went through. Yeah, that's exactly. We're all unique. We yeah. all have that part of the connection. But if you're not doing what you love, you're holding somebody else back. You're holding somebody else back, you know? You're not making yourself happy, but you're holding somebody else, you know? You're doing yourself short and the rest of the world because you're not doing Lion King. Lion King is all about that. Simba is all about that. Lion King has to be the king. But if he's not going to become the king, then the rest will be disaster. True. you know, it, the song is so beautiful, you know, it's, it's, you know, you have to find those friends, you have to find those mentors, those coaches who bring you really to being you. You need them, you know, and I can speak with you what I want, because I know you're going to help me, you're going you're gonna to show me, you're going to give me that little piece I'm probably missing. True. And I try to tell you something, what you probably never knew about yourself you know and so it's all connected so when you do what you love and you're happy the rest around you are going to be happy a little bit more and they can go on from there and there and there and just what you say be the gift you were always meant to be amen brother so when i think about this i'm writing my life story right now many people know this that watch the show i've been writing my life story for the last couple of years and it's it's 
a mind fuck in the very slightest attempt to say what it is. It is challenging to sit there and go revisit your past and really get into details. It's one thing for me to say, Hey, I was a homeless seventh grade dropout. I lived in the backseat of a station wagon, my whole routine. It's another thing to go back there and revisit the things in detail. How was that for you in writing this book? Like really getting raw and real with yourself and really being transparent and vulnerable to say, this is the shit I went through. How was that for you? And how did you get through that part? I hate it. I hate it. Every minute of writing this book. Amen, brother. I hate it. And so many times I threw everything. I cannot show you now, but there's a, there is a little cabin with all those small papers. I journaled for 26 years. I journaled. And out of that journal chaos, I wrote this book. Yeah. But many times I thought, no, I'm not going there anymore. No. And I walked into the woods, crying my eyes out, screaming, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk about this. Who can handle this? Nobody can handle this. I couldn't handle it. So why will I give it to somebody else? Sure. Oh, it's your moral obligation. And if you make it not your life story anymore, because this book's not about me. This book's not about me. Not at all. But it's the book, the guide for all the other people who are swimming in that water, who are thinking, am I going to drown? No, you're not going to drown. You will survive. You will survive. But mm -hmm. sometimes, just like you said, sometimes some people are a little bit less lucky. <laughs> they found the right mentor on the right time and the right coach on the right time. And they start to listen because listening is also really important because mm -hmm. there are so stubborn people sitting one here who never listened and thought, oh, I have to do this myself. I have to do it myself. Well, start to listen. Yeah. Start really listening. And when I start listening to that guard who said, put everything on paper, my friend, and get some control, because he saw that I was only confused. And he was right. I was completely off, off my planet. But I had to connect the dots again. Yeah. And when you, when you can connect the dots, the more dots you can connect, the easier life becomes. Frank, Frank, Frank. Okay. So here's the twist. I want to give everybody the twist because I don't, I don't think you were expecting this, but when you were in incarceration, you had the opportunity to help a particular situation. Talk to us about that. Oh yeah. I, I made the post two days ago yeah. and I went, I went to Bible study because you never get out of the prison. And when you see a way to get out, there was a, there was a sign Bible study in a chapel and you know, uh, and I signed up. Because I, of course, I'm, I am Catholic, but I didn't do nothing with it. You know, I, I, was, right. I, I was blaming God. I was blaming the whole world. So, you know, God was, why, why God, fuck off. You know, I had enough, you know, <laughs> I had enough. Yep. But then. But then you were called. Yeah, I was called. And there were some beautiful guys sitting off prisoners fellowship. They were beautiful, beautiful men with so much knowledge and so much insights and they took the bible and they took one or three words out of the bible and we talked for hours that word and oh my god i loved it you know it's all it's all written what's going to happen it's all written already so long ago all the good stuff is already there and then there was another prisoner who told me he saw the change in me 
he saw me changing. He saw me fired up, getting energy every Sunday. And he thought, what's going on there? And he said, can I come with you? I said, of course you can come with me. And he went with me. I didn't know where he was in for. I didn't know because if I had known, I was doing probably life in prison now because I should have killed the bastard. But I didn't know then. And I'm so lucky that I didn't do because, you know, I should have done something terrible to him. But then, after a while, there was something in Thessalonians, um, I don't know the verse exactly, and that says, if you come clear with everything you've done in life, you're forgiven and you can start over again. And this Mm -hmm. guy was thinking about that. And he thought... Absolution or whatever. Yeah, "Yeah, I want to talk with, with, with Frank about this. And he said, Frank, if you go out of this jail, you're free because people are not going to arrest you. You know, uh, they're going to believe you or they're not going to believe you that you did it do. Uh, it doesn't matter. But if I come out of jail, I will never be forgiven. I said, of course you are. Just like me. If you confess <laughs> everything, you know. He said, no, Frank, that's not true. I said, what can be worse than... And you had no idea, right? No. Okay. And But then I knew. He was in there for 16 years doing child abuse with 60 children, 60 young children. And the youngest was two years old. Yeah. And I, then I wanted to bash his head in. So, you know, I had to do a lot of counseling, a lot of psychiatric work. But then the guy from Prison Fellowship said, Frank, we talk with you. And we don't know where you're in for. So give, give Michael a chance. I said, no way. Go to kill this guy i'm not gonna give him a chance right but, yeah. but then the message comes in that you have to give somebody a chance to tell sure ah uh, so i was fucking hating it every second of the day i can't but imagine then, but then one day he came in is it frank one day i picked up a girl at a bus stop nine years old cement night she was waiting there with a toothbrush to go to a sleepover party I took her with me. I gave her a bottle with two sleeping tablets. I brought her to the shed and I did horrible things with her. Fuck, at that moment, Dude. I threw him out of the, 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 the cell. And I can't I wanted imagine. To, yeah, I wanted mm. to really kill the guy. But, you know, they saw all the cameras that there was pushing and shoving going on. So the, the guards came running. I was put again on suicide watch because I was so fired up again. And then the psychiatrist comes and said, Frank, what's going on? You know, you were doing so well. Yeah. I said, well, this guy just told me ah, this story. They said, oh, Frank, Michael's, Michael's complete loss. I thought, what? Are you going <laughs> to justify this? Fuck me dead. Are you serious? Are you serious? And and then I was taken out of that cell and brought to a police station. I said, why must I go to a police station? I'm doing already my time. And they right. said, well, some people come to interview you. I said, oh, about what? I said, about Michael the Guider. I said, well, Michael told me this, blah, 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 blah. So they went to the shed. They found clipping. They found clipping books with missing children. They found... 6,000 photographs. Wow. So, me going to jail solved their biggest 
missing. That's and what I, I, right I didn't even know that I was doing that. That's because the whole I didn't reason know you that. went. That's, that's, I give that now the reason yeah. I had to go to jail. Also to make me feel good. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you thought you had, I mean, I mean let's, let's, let's recap here for a second. <clears throat> you, re- you literally had the ego and the arrogance, like, I got it all figured out. I'm going to go out there and help these people. I'm going to help these methadone guys. And then all of a sudden you had to go through this whole hero's journey yourself to go through that experience. But not only that, to be strapped down on a suicide table for the guy to have a belief in you to say, Hey, listen, I think there's something else to this guy and to be able to have that conversation. But then again, to have the conversation with the Michael Guider to be able to sit there and say, wow, this guy just admitted on record what he did. And then was able to be, you know, incarcerated even further for his, his crimes. And now here you are writing this book and living your life right now, man. I have so much respect and applause for you. I'm so grateful that we get this chance to talk and I'm looking forward to more chances to talk. We've already been talking for 52 minutes. So man, literally I'm going to have you back on either this show or the unfiltered experience because there's so many other questions I want to ask you, but where can people get a hold of you? Where can people read the book and what's going on with you, man? Cause I I just want to highlight that before we, uh, before we end this conversation out tonight. Well, I'm I'm everywhere. Uh, You know, I had to learn to, to, uh, yeah, beautiful Uh, Instagram, uh, everything, because you know, when you are a tennis coach and you do your job properly, the people come to your tennis classes, so you don't have to do anything because it's your work who's bringing you the clients. So, you know, uh, I was always fully booked, but now nobody knows that there's a great book. Nobody knows that who you are. Nobody knows, you know, I, I want to go into the world because, you know, I want to, yeah, I don't want the flowers because that's really strange. I'm going to tell you, Christopher. Right. I don't like people saying that you're good. I, I, I never liked that. I was I was the top scorer for so many times. I was always the, the guy who was winning the games. And I, because I loved playing basketball. And I was good in it. But what I didn't like is people touching you and saying how good you are. Because I know, I'm high sensitive, I know when I'm not winning the games anymore, they let you drop like you never exist. So... I always, after the game, I wanted to go home. I don't want to take all the people who say how good you are because uh-huh. one day those That's same right. people yeah. will let you let you drop on the floor and walk on. True. Because when you're writing your book now, I hear you writing your book, Christopher. I'm going to say oh, yeah. this. The book, if you make the book for somebody else now, it, it's so difficult to write because it's so easy to tell about yourself. But Christopher, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> it's true. Nobody gives a shit. They say, oh, <clears throat> but it was so bad. What happened to you, Frank? Let's stay in contact. Well, guess what? All those people who said, oh, let's stay in contact. I never heard anything of them anymore. It's true. So true. But if they see something in the book that resonates with them and can help them to the next level, you're great again. You're a great guy again. Well, that's that's life. That's I have to go with that. You know, when you're in an event, when you speak, there will be so many people saying, "Oh, look, look here to this guy. Oh, he all figured it out." Blah 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 blah. They're always the haters and the lovers, and you know, it's all good. It's all good. I don't care. I'm not going to be different anymore. This is me. This is what you get. If you like it, you like it, and otherwise, 
life goes on without you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not waiting for you. I'm not waiting for anybody anymore. And that's, and that's why we're having this conversation tonight, man. That's why we're, well, your morning, my night. Thank you, brother, for being here. Frank Sunius, thank you so much for being here. Go check out his book. Thank Trapped you. Because, you know, check it out. It's we right follow there. each other. And trappedinadream.com for you guys on podcast listening to this right now we're on video cast but trappedinadream.com go check it out it's an amazing book frank has been an amazing person we've had various conversations on clubhouse we've had this conversation right now we're going to have more conversations in the future man i just so respect you and so appreciate you your vulnerability vulnerability your transparency and your authenticity in this interview right now has been amazing because so many people right now are pretending to be something that they're not. They're trying to put on airs of all these things and how big and bad they are. But you just shared in this last hour how vulnerable and how different your life has been through that hero's journey that we've talked about to be the person that you are today, to be the author that you are today, to be the coach you are today, to be the man that you are today. And I so appreciate you, man. <clears throat> There's no joke about that. Appreciate you. I'm going to set you backstage for a second. Don't go anywhere because we're going to still finish out the conversation. I'm going to end out the show and uh, just appreciate any final words for the viewers tonight. Anything you want yeah. to send them off with? Yeah. You know, Chris, uh, I know you. And straight away, the first moment when you're high sensitive, you feel the person you want in your life. And I want to say to everybody, find those people. Find those four or five people in your life. And then you can be you. In any situation, you don't have to put a mask on. I cannot put in a mask on with you because you're going to say straight away, hey, come on, Frank, don't give me the bullshit. Give, yeah. me, give, give, give me the raw thing. And that's who you are because you are no nonsense coach. That's it, you know, no bullshit. And if you find those people who tell you the truth and you're allowed to tell them the truth, that's it. <laughs> then you're fine. You can go into the world being you, you know. Don't wait for a miracle. Hey, become a miracle. You are the miracle. Ah, thank you. Thank you, you are the miracle. <laughs> All right, brother, I'm going to place you backstage. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, 58 minutes and 10 seconds. I just appreciate you guys, you guys all for being here tonight. John says uh, here, he says, great show. Well done, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sandy says here, thank you. Appreciate you guys. But here's the story. You guys are writing your story right now. We are all writing our story every second of every minute of every day. And they may not be easy. They not be, they may not be the most desirable moments of your life, but as you choose, as you choose to focus on what it is that you're going through and what you're growing through and to see the, uh, the other side of it and know that what you're going through right now is going to lead to something different. Is it all, not all worth it? hundred percent. It's 100% worth it. I can sit there and look at you guys today as a former seventh grade homeless dropout who lived in the backseat of a station wagon with 18 cats and four fucking dogs. 1969 Country Squire station wagon, a seventh grade homeless dropout. The guy that was like stupid and was told to shut up and not be seen and was bullied by his parents. By Well, I never knew my biological father was bullied by my mom, was bullied by kids on the street, was bullied by kids at school, was told I was stupid to sit in front of you today at 53 years old with a beautiful son and a beautiful family outside these doors, to be able to talk to you in this podcast, to be able to talk to you in this video cast, you decide your story. You decide your story. End of conversation. You decide your story. So whether, whatever, whatever you're at in your point of journey, if you're in a low point or you're in a high point, enjoy that. 
because everything is happening for your greater good. Everything is happening for you to become the person that you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be the person you are right now. You're becoming someone else. And so when you have the perspective and you shift that shit to go, hey, who am I becoming right now? Not like, oh, why does this keep happening to me? Why does this keep happening? No. Who am I becoming? Why are these events showing up in my life right now? They're showing up in your life right now for you to become the person you're supposed to be. When you think back on your life, when have you grown and become the most? When things were easy or when things were hard? Let me think about that. Yeah, Chris, when things were hard. So when things were hard, did you learn lessons from those things? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So why not have the perspective when things are challenging? This is something that I get to learn and grow from. I get to learn and grow from this. I'm going through shit right now. God's honest truth right here on camera. I am tired. I am exhausted. I have been going through stuff, but I show up because I know all of this is happening for my greater good. Every single thing, every single challenge, every single uncomfortable moment is happening for my greater good. What is happening for your greater good? Whatever challenges you're in right now, you asked for them. You asked for them because you know you can overcome them. Think back upon your life. When have you not overcome all of the things that have happened in your life? 100%. You've overcome them. You are here today listening to this, watching this together with me, together with Frank. You have to decide. You have to decide. Am I willing to step up and to go the next distance? Am I willing to step up and do more than anybody else is doing to achieve more than anybody else has? Am I willing to do that? Yeah, I guess I am. Am I? Are you? Are you watching this to be entertained? I hope not. I hope that you took notes. I hope that you decided for yourself that, hey, listen, you know what? From this conversation with Frank and Chris, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to go apply in my life. This is raw shit, guys. Raw and unscripted. This is life. Go live your life. Go be excited about it because guess what? I just found out another internet friend. I never knew him, never met him personally, just passed away. Woke up, died, had a heart attack. Didn't take care of himself. He's dead. That could be for me. That could be for you. That could be for anybody. Enjoy your moments. Go out there and live your life right now. This is a gift. Everything we get to experience is a gift. You think it's all bullshit. Like, hey, why does it... No, you're breathing. You're breathing right now. You're living right now. Why would you look at anything else but the gratitude for this experience? You still breathe on your own. You still shit on your own. You still wipe your ass on your own. You still sneeze on your own. You still get to say, hi, I love you to your friends and your family. That's pretty amazing. Gratitude, ladies and gentlemen, gratitude is most important in your part of your life. Be grateful for the ups and downs. Go watch the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell story on YouTube. I guarantee you go watch that. It's an hour and 23 minutes. You will see the trajectory of your life. Go live it. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging, but at the end of the day, is it going to be worth it? hundred percent. I love you guys. Connect with Frank, connect with us. Be back here next week. We got another amazing show. I'm not sure who's up next week. Who's up next week. Let's just see. Let's just see. Shall we do that? Shall we do that? Let's see who's next week. Who is next week? I should probably do a better job of telling you guys that. Next week, we have Joe D. Bear. 
Jody is amazing. You got to go check her out. She's going to be here next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We love you guys. Go out there, be brilliant. Let me know what I can do to support you guys and go out there, be raw and scripted. Check us out on podcast. We love and appreciate you. Go out there, be brilliant. Enjoy this. Kick ass. Peace.